Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Peter Cohen, our favorite curmudgeon. Is, is he a curmudgeon? I'll ask him. A little bit later, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer with a long agenda of things to talk about. All this and more. Good stuff on the Tech Night Out Live. Okay, Peter, are you a curmudgeon? I would say it depends on the day and it depends on my mood, but I can act curmudgeonly, I will admit. Okay, so the cat is out of the bag. Yeah, yeah, the cat is out of the bag. I am I, I am an, a, a self-defined curmudgeon, sure. Well, we have a guy over... You know. Well, you know, when I think of, of the greats, I think of people like H.L. Mencken, and I think of uh, my my personal literary hero, Harlan Ellison, is definitely a curmudgeon. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, I take it from, from a noble tradition, I think. Well, we need more curmudgeons, you know, with a respect for facts, because sometimes we have curmudgeons who don't understand the word fact. Even if it's spelled well, well, backwards, they don't understand it. But yeah. we don't want to get into that. Let's get into this HomePod. Refresh my memory. Do you own a HomePod? No. Are you going to buy a HomePod? F no. Well, you see, he agrees with me. There's nothing to argue about. On the other hand, that may be the problem. <laughs> because I'm seeing here that the HomePod ain't doing too well, folks. Look, you know, Apple doesn't break out its HomePod numbers. We don't actually know what those numbers are, right? The numbers that that, that we're hearing about are inferred from the component makers who make the stuff for Apple. And Tim Cook has said over and over again during conference calls, you can only know so much from that indirect information if you're not hearing it from us. So I don't know what Apple's own internal uh, projections were for the HomePod. I don't know how those align with how many they've been selling. So first of all, Gene, let me just point out that this entire thing is a non-issue. Well, the thing here is Apple didn't go into this market to sell as many as an Amazon Echo. Because if you have something that's 40 or $50, you assume compared to something that's 349 it will probably sell in higher quantities. But the profit for each one may be 50 cents. I don't know what their profit margin is, but that sounds wildly out of line with, obviously, what Apple's expectations would be for a product. And the HomePod is a premium price product. You know, it's a $400 product. But we know they're not selling that product to make money out of it. It's different than Apple. If Apple's selling a HomePod for $349, what do they expect to make, 150 off it? Right. All right. Which is fair, because Apple knows how to get parts at really good prices, and other companies trying to duplicate Apple's gear with the same quality parts have a lot of difficulty matching or even beating that price. Well, look, the HomePod is not a product that you're going to go toe-to-toe with, because Apple's making the HomePod for a very specific market. Apple's made the HomePod specifically for people who are bought into the Apple ecosystem, who have iPhones and have Macintoshes and have iPads, and who use Apple Music and iCloud accounts and are already familiar with how Siri works. That's who Apple is making the HomePod for. It's a very selective audience, much in the same way that the Apple Watch is a very selective audience, because if you don't have an iPhone, there's no point in getting an Apple Watch, and only 
a certain segment of the of the public is is ever going to have an iPhone. So by that definition, you could say, oh, the Apple Watch is a failure in the market marketplace because it doesn't appeal to everybody who's using Samsung Gear phones or whatever Gear compatible devices. But that doesn't make any difference. The bottom line is Apple is selling more Apple Watches than people are selling watches. So it's a huge success. In the same token, we don't actually know how many Apple, uh, how many HomePods Apple has to make or sell in order to be a, a big success. So that's why I'm saying that this story is bunk to begin with. On top of that, though, it's a it's a product for a select market, and I think that it's a good demonstration of the technology that Apple um, is is trying to get into the home. And I also think that it shows off where Apple's flaws are right now. And I'm talking specifically about how Siri is integrated into it and really fails to work. It doesn't work demonstrably as well as Alexa. That's, I think, a bigger problem for Apple to solve. And I don't really think that we're going to see a lot of motion in the HomePod-ish end of that market until Apple has that strategic end of it figured out. Well, they did hire this dude from Google, who's an expert on AI and search and everything. And supposedly he is going to help improve Siri. But you see what happens here. They have that announcement and someone says, oh, therefore, Apple's going to sacrifice privacy to get Siri to work better. It doesn't follow. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, so whether we see an iteration of the HomePod 2 or, you know, the HomePod can be upgraded with, with new functionality over time. Um, or or new HomePod-ish products, much in the same way that you know Apple diversified uh, the iPod line. That uh, the, these are all things that might happen someday. I don't know, but I think it's way way too soon for anybody to be telling us that the HomePod is a failure. And that's that's just clickbait, garbage journalism at its worst. Par for course for you know the tech business when it's reporting on Apple. But there you go. Well, we still have the best-selling wearable on the market, the Apple Watch, as you mentioned before. And they say that's a failure. And the thing is here, we don't see Apple's full business plan in version one of HomePod. No. Everything Apple produces gets better every time, every release. I mean, the Apple Watch first edition, the original, it had its limitations. And Apple, as they learned more about building these things, how customers react to them, they found better ways to do it. They saw that fitness was a key function of Apple Watch and therefore pushed more into fitness than fancy jewelry. So in a sense, Apple's seeing where it goes to. The same thing with the HomePod. You bring out a product that you expect to be very good and some things will work and some things will work not as well. And as you go along, you learn. It's a learning process. There's no such thing as version one being the final product. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it, it's not like every product that Apple releases has to be disruptive. You know, there's sort of this insane expectation that Apple has to release an iPod, I mean, or an iPhone or an iPad every few years um, uh, in order to still be a successful and relevant company. And that's just demonstrably not true and uh, kind of a silly argument. So, hey, you know, you set the straw man up, I'll knock them down. Well, the other straw man, which they keep repeating as much as it's knocked down, is that Apple is going for market share. Now, in their areas where Apple does well, just like that iPhone 10 that was a big failure being the number one best-selling 
smartphone and earning reportedly now one third of all of the profits in the entire smartphone industry in the entire world. One well, product. That's- that's the thing, right? You know, as people are quick to point out that Apple doesn't have market share, uh, like some of, some of its competitors do, but uh, they 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 also fail to uh, to analyze that end of it. You know, which is where the profits are. The vast majority of profits in the smartphone market are in Apple's pockets because Apple has a premium product that people are willing to pay for, um, and uh, um, it has the 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 production oomph to be able to get the those to wherever it needs it needs them to be and they say nothing when samsung releases a smartphone that sells more than 900 dollars or 950 of course samsung it's different samsung will say okay it's 950 dollars for the galaxy note 9 50 dollars different from the iphone 10 insignificant difference if you pay by the month they don't tell you of course they have the two for one sales from day one because they can't get rid of these products without a two-for-one sale. I mean, it's not that you can't get a two-for-one sale on an iPhone 8 or even an iPhone 10, but it's mostly carrier-generated, whereas Samsung is Samsung-generated. Isn't that interesting? We've got Peter Cohen. John Martellero is in the green room in another dimension, and he'll enter a little bit later on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. 
Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash otcpaininfo. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. See, John likes science fiction, so I could say that about him. I could rag on him being in a green room in another dimension. And the reason we have to do that is we're a very small operation. And I know when Peter is a second guest on the show, where do we put you? Usually in uh, the Phantom Zone. And that's where time doesn't pass. He likes to be there because he'd like to live longer. It's like what? Supergirl was in the Phantom Zone for 12 years. And when she comes back, Superman is no longer a baby. He's 24 years old. Why did we start on this? Okay, so I was thinking here, is there ever going to be a HomePod that I would buy? And I'm an audio freak. I used to have some pretty elaborate audio equipment, as our listeners know, before I sold it all off because I realized I wasn't listening to it. My audio experience now is a Mac with this... Boom 3D thing, which is a sound enhancer. It's an iMac. And then I also have a Vizio soundbar. You know, it's funny here. I have things that happen when you're doing a show like this. And, Peter, I just got a phone call from somebody who wants to talk to me about my student loan. Now, if I had a student loan, it'd be something that happened 45 or 50 years ago. Did they even have student loans then? Yes, they did. Okay, I guess they did. 
But then you see it's different because in those days, you didn't have to go broke necessarily. Right, yeah. To attend a decent college. My brother was just a normal middle-class kid from Brooklyn, New York, but he went to Rutgers. What would it cost to go to Rutgers today? He went for practically no money. What a strange but Before way. Before you get off on a ranching, I mean, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that debt collectors will often not have identity straight when they call because your name happens to match because they don't have any information beyond a name. It, the, the, the whole market is a complete mess. But anyway, I, I wouldn't feel too persecuted about it. I get calls like that every so often, too. The bottom line is I don't actually answer any phone number I don't recognize. I screen every single call I get unless it's in my contact database. It just isn't worth it anymore. Well, in a case like this, we know it's a fraud. Or like I said, a case of mistaken identity, whatever it might be. I don't know, but whatever. Well, I have a letter this morning I received. Somebody says that I owe $1,922.39 to some non-existent corporation. <laughs> now, that's a common fraud, you know, collection fraud. I mean, if there's a legitimate reason oh, yeah. for collection agencies because, you know, someone owes a debt and they're late and they want to get the money. A company wants to get their money. That's legitimate. But there is so much chicanery and fraud. Let's just get away from that because we want to talk about products, whether or not we need them. The HomePod I have no need for. As much as I like audio, I can't see the purpose because I have the sound bar in the master bedroom and I have my Mac with the Boom 3D sound enhancer on my desktop here in my office now the apple watch you have an apple watch yeah of course okay everybody has an apple watch these days i see people working for 11 dollars an hour which is the new minimum wage in arizona i think at the convenience store with apple watches where did they yes. get the money well, somebody might have gotten it for them for Christmas or whatever, but um, they're, they are a very popular item, and they're more uh, affordable than ever because Apple has expanded that line in much the way it does its other product lines. You know, So there isn't a singular Apple Watch that anyone particularly buys anymore. You can buy a couple of different models from Apple, and there are different price ranges. I have a Generation Zero watch. I have the original Apple Watch, and um, it's still going strong, and it's doing what I need it to do, so I'm not really that incented to replace it with another one. Uh, this thing has has gotten me through uh, enough of what I need to do. And the battery is kind of wonky now, and I, I could definitely use a new battery. And the cost of replacing the battery on these is so high, at that point, it's almost worth just replacing the unit outright, to be honest with you. But I see an ecosystem popping up now that's really kind of incontrovertible. And for me, one of the big advantages of using and having the Apple Watch is being able to Apple Pay straight from my wrist on any register that supports it. You know, I go to the grocery store, it's two taps and I'm out the door. I go to the con convenience store to buy my coffee and it's two taps and I'm out the door. And it's all on the watch and it's all hyper secure and it works really well. And then there's the fitness aspect to it. Like you said, um, very early on, it became very obvious that this thing was going to be very important for people for fitness. And it, it came into my life at a time when I was paying a lot more attention to that than I ever had before. So it ended up helping to, you know, keep me on task and, and it integrated into my my schedule and how I was trying to improve my life in a very fundamental way. You know, it didn't have to be a, a big home run thing like it was with the iPhone or the iPad. It was this incremental thing where having an Apple Watch really proved to me 
that it was a device that could fundamentally improve the quality of my life in ways that just made things a little less frictioned transactions at the store, keeping track of when I need to take my medication, uh, keeping track of my exercise and fitness, being able to keep a, a running list of groceries. You know, I stand in front of my fridge and I say, hey, add cream cheese to the shopping list, and it does it. it it's little things like that. It just has made my life better. I'm a big believer in the Apple Watch, and I really like the way it works. I like cream cheese, too, by the way. The interesting thing here is even though we look at Apple Watch sales, I think it was, what, 17 or 18 million estimated, you know, we don't know the exact figures, for 2017, we think it's not far off from the third year of the iPhone, and sales were supposedly increased over 50% above the previous year. Now, if Apple can get a 25 to 50% increase in Apple Watch sales for a few years, it's going to be a monster. Yeah, Absolutely. Because remember, look at the user base of iPhones. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of units. They don't have to be compatible with Android. In fact, even if Apple wanted to do an Android version, the platform doesn't have the consistency or the safety, security to do it. But Apple has enough iPhone users out there that they can have a user base of a couple of hundred million Apple Watches without a problem. Absolutely. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Well, it's already done things you can't believe because, you know, at the beginning, very rarely would I see a Apple Watch. Now I see them everywhere from people who I don't even think could even afford it unless, of course, they don't mind paying for it for three or four years. And that's the big thing that we're seeing. I'm also interested in what kind of upgrade cycle you're going to have for that. Well, yeah. I mean, as demonstrated by my experience anyway, I'm going on my third year of having an Apple Watch. It'll be it'll be year three in June. And my original Apple Watch is still going fine. Now, like I said, I'm incented when the battery finally gets bad enough, I'm going to upgrade, right? So three years, I'm figuring, is kind of the, the functional limit on one of these things for for me anyway, and I suspect for most people. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it's certainly become a, uh, a much more commonplace device than it was. And, uh, you know, I think once you understand some of the benefits that go along with it, 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 it becomes even better. We've got more to come with Peter Cohen and Gene on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX that's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. 
Extendivite really works. Just listen to what some people have to say. About six months ago, my wife bought Extendivite. She didn't tell me she was giving it to me. So after about three days, I said, maybe, you know, maybe the weather's changed or something. I said, my, my, my legs feel really good. And she goes, well, I've been giving you this stuff, and it was the Extendivite. And you know that I'm about 75% better. I can actually climb stairs now, and I can get up out of chairs. I can, I can even get down, and, you know, I got to work under a table or a computer table and work on a computer. I can actually get back up off the floor. You know what? It's an amazing product. I can't believe, I didn't think anything short of having surgery was going to help. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, more excitement with Peter Cohen. And I want to bring up a topic that actually John's going to talk about later on, where Tim Cook made a statement the other day. Mac OS and iOS will remain separate. There's no great convergence coming. Right now, what we have is just they talk to each other, more or less. They have pleasant conversations when handoff works. Yeah, when handoff works. When is the operative uh, word in that or, or if. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But how do you take that? Is it just reassurance for Mac users? Well, it's the same thing that Apple's been saying for years, and it's the same thing that Steve Jobs was saying uh, before he passed away. Um, and, you know, he's been gone for years now. These are different problems or different uh, solutions for different problems. Computers and handheld devices, whether they're iPads or iPhones, occupy fundamentally different vocational areas. And yeah, they're both computing devices. Yeah, they both do a lot of the same things, but they don't do the same things the same way. And people don't interact with them the same way and don't need to use them the same way. And sure, there's been some effort at convergence with these so-called two-in-one devices that you see Microsoft pushing, Surface, for example. Uh, and Microsoft has certainly tried to scale its operating system to work regardless of you know whether you're doing it on a tablet or a computer. Apple has a different philosophy. There has been paranoia, as as you alluded to, Gene, for years for Mac users, thinking that uh, the iOSification of the Macintosh is only one or two generations away. And every attempt that Apple makes to blur the line between the way the different platforms works, it's fundamentally making you know the Mac less of a uh, a usable device. It's just such complete nonsense. You know, if I'm shopping for a pickup truck. Let's say that I'm a contractor and I'm shopping for a pickup truck for my business. I'm going to the car dealer that sells pickup trucks to do that. I'm not going to the sedan place. I'm not going to the sports car place. I'm going to the pickup place to look for my pickup. You know, if I want a scooter, I'm going to go to a motorcycle store or a scooter store to look for that. And the same token, you know, and you've got a different, you calibrate your expectations differently. Obviously, I don't really care what the towing capacity of a Mazda Miata might be. You know, because it's a tiny little coupe with a drop top. But that might be something important for me to know about what kind of pickup I've got. It's no different. You know, the, 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 when, when you're buying a computer and you want to use a computer, a computer offers you a fundamentally different user experience than, uh, than a tablet does. And I think that that's, that's a smart line for Apple to draw because they need to make the boundaries invisible where it makes sense based on the work, not on the device that you're using. You know, if I'm, we were talking about handoff at the start of the segment, Gene, and that's, you know, the, the perfect example of it. It is an imperfect technology that Apple needs to continue to iterate and improve to really make it the work, work the way that they want to, much in the same way Siri is kind of coming up short. Well, hopefully this new hire from Google will deal with that in some fashion obviously they're aware of it they're aware Does of the dude walk on water and turn loaves into fishes too for crying out loud well we want siri to basically get up come out of the machine and just have a pleasant conversation with us or come out of the iphone depends on how many mushrooms i take but yeah well that will take uh, quite a few mushrooms unless you're particularly sensitive but people are now going to say oh look what they're talking about this is supposed to be a tech show why are they doing that? Speaking of Mac and iOS convergence, what about the story about so-called fat binary apps where you could just run your iOS app, your iPhone or iPad app on a Mac? Why do that other than to fatten the code? Well, I think it. I think it's worth understanding what exactly um, Apple is trying to do here, and I think that this is another one of those areas that's really kind of been mis misreported or, or misunderstood, I guess, by by a certain segment of the audience. W what Apple's talking about is 
or, or, or what has been talked about in the in the press, I should say, because because Apple hasn't mentioned anything. Um, and we're talking about what's what's codenamed or allegedly codenamed the Marzipan Project. This is something that Bloomberg brought to light a few months ago. Um, would help iOS and Mac apps run as part of a shared framework. Okay, it wouldn't blur the line between a Mac app and an iOS app. It wouldn't make a Mac and I, or an iOS app run on the Mac per se. It's blurring the line between Mac and iOS code. Now, details on this are very scant and are, are really rumors only, so we can glean absolutely nothing. But if this project is in the works and it's something that's ready to come to light, Apple will probably use its Worldwide Developers Conference coming up in a couple of months um, to, uh, to, to show it off. What about Max on ARM? Another prediction. I forget who made it. What, Bloomberg was on that kick? Yeah, but yeah, Bloomberg's been. I mean, and Bloomberg. It's Mark German. Um, you know, he's been reporting on Apple for for a number of years, and uh, now he works for Bloomberg. Um, ARM processors are, in point of fact, already in the Mac, right? You know, the, Apple came out with a revised line of MacBook Pros that incorporated Touch ID for the first time. And the, the way that they were able to do that is by using an ARM processor inside uh, that has the secure enclave technology that you find in uh, the, the, the iPhones that support Touch ID. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, with some future iteration of the MacBook Pro or maybe the MacBook, uh, Apple incorporates some kind of Face ID technology because that's certainly something that they could do, uh, depending on how they can scale up that uh, um, camera technology and all the other good stuff that they've got in the iPhone 10. Anyway, that that little digression aside. Look, I expect that if Apple does switch the Mac um, to some kind of ARM-based processor from Intel, there are very good reasons for it to do it. And I also have no I, no doubt that those devices exist now in some sort of skunk works at Apple. You know, years ago, Apple switched from PowerPC processors to Intel processors, and um, they made that transition uh, in the space of a year. Uh, where they they told developers one year, hey, look, we're uh, we're we're moving to Intel. You need to move with us. We're going to give you guys a year to do it. That was WWDC 2005, and by WWDC 2006, the Intel equipped Macs were actually in production, and people were writing code that could run on either platform. And Apple incorporated an emulation layer called Rosetta uh, that, that lasted until Lion 10.7 um, uh, to enable binaries applications that ran on the old style of Mac processor to continue to run on the new style of Mac processor, thus giving developers several years to get their acts together um, in making a, a, a an app binary that ran natively on the Intel processor. So we've seen these transitions before. I'm sure Apple can manage it. The question is, quite frankly, what kind of ARM processor would have the overall processing ability uh, to keep up with somebody on a Mac? Because Macs are designed differently, again, than, than iPhones. Um, it, it might. I, I, my guess would be that we would probably see an entry-level device, like a Mac Mini, maybe a redone Mac Mini, or even a, a low-end MacBook or MacBook Air with an ARM processor before we saw it on the rest of the product line. It's definitely feasible. It's only a matter of timing and how Apple manages that 
transition. So all these things are possible. Um, and in fact, I suspect inevitable because one thing that getting rid of an Intel processor inside of a Macintosh would do for Apple, the big strategic advantage that it offers is that um, Apple would no longer be dependent on another manufacturer for an essential piece of, uh, of, of silicon inside one of its own devices. So it would be free from that dependency. And to a certain extent, it would also be free of the comparisons uh, that would be made between, let's say, a Mac and, uh, you know, an Intel-based PC that's come out from a company like Dell um, or someone else. So, you know, it, it gets Apple off that benchmarking kick to a certain degree as well, because, again, it's, it's a fundamentally different thing. Now, we'll go into more of this in our next segment with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state, until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. 
people who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg Some people complain about the fact that we run too many commercials here. But, of course, if you look at broadcast radio and TV, this is the same number. No different. Okay? But we offer an option for you. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. If you want to learn more, go to plus, P-L-U-S dot And we tell you how to sign up. We give you a version of the show without network ads, a little bit better quality audio for prices starting at just a dollar forty-nine a week, which is less than you pay for coffee—not just at Starbucks, but at a lot of these convenience stores now. They're up to a dollar seventy-five for a cup of coffee, cup of Java, less money. Okay, give up one cup of coffee a week, and you get Tech Night Out Plus. That's how it works. We're talking to Peter Cohen about a possible switch from Intel to ARM. Now, the issue, of course, is that a lot of people use Macs for running two operating systems or more. So they're running Windows at native speed with boot camp and near native speed with virtual machines and the Mac. Now, I'm thinking here, will Apple come up with some kind of really interesting method to offer really good emulation of Intel, such as producing an ARM processor that is so much faster that it makes up the difference, the speed loss. And the reason I raise that is, Benchmarks today will show the fastest A-series processors capable of matching or coming close to matching a normal notebook computer. Yeah, but that's a very dangerous comparison because benchmarks are artificial, right? They're computational indications of how a processor actually works. They're not necessarily uh, real-world applications. And, it, you know, if you've ever run an iPhone 
six, seven, eight at um, uh, like on full processor load, you'll understand what I mean because they turn hot as bricks and they become very unresponsive. Uh, I'm not saying that these devices are incredibly powerful. I'm not saying that they don't work well, uh, but I am saying that the processes that are in them now are optimized for a very different different set of needs than than what somebody using a Macintosh might might do. So we need to be careful with those comparisons. But you're absolutely right about the benchmarks, and that's a point that Apple has emphasized over and over and over again with its past two generations of devices is, hey, look, these benchmarks show that we're getting close to desktop speeds, close to desktop speeds. Oh, yeah, we're actually at desktop speeds. Okay, for for certain things, right. But there's a difference between that and overall use. They're optimized for a platform that has very tight resource requirements. Mm -hmm. But if you put them in a Mac, you can run them faster, possibly, you can increase the power needs because you're using a full-size computer, not a tiny little miniaturized device. Mm-hmm. And it's possible the potential's in there already. But Apple can't use it because of the fact that they're constrained. Yeah, but scaling a device like an A10 processor into something that would be used inside of a computer is is, is a different engineering problem. Yeah, again different workflows you know different different evolutions so whatever but yeah the, the bottom line is it's technically feasible for a mac to run an arm processor and like i said i have no doubt that apple's already got them in its um uh in its skunk works uh and probably has for quite some time the the, the switch is uh inevitable um it's just a question of when it's going to happen that's my opinion anyway well the thing is here whatever it is Apple manages to scale up these things, what, 30% faster every year or more. If Apple could do that with the version that we have them developing in their Skunkworks project, they can get 30% more speed every year, unfettered by the resource limits of an iPad or an iPhone. They could reach an area where they can say, this is twice as fast as Intel. And then if we have emulation and you lose 30% of the speed with emulation, it's still faster. Yeah, so I mean, emulating the the, the point that you're making, Gene, is I, I think you kind of you you kind of jumped ahead there a little bit in that what you're talking about is addressing a very specific need of those customers who you were talking about who are already using virtual machines uh, running in a Windows um, translation layer like uh, VMware uh, Fusion or uh, Parallels Desktop or, you know, one of the Wine-based emulators. And that's actually a very important part of the Apple software ecosystem because, um, you know, that, that Intel dependency uh, that I was talking about as a bad thing has made it a lot easier for uh, developers to, you know, and and for customers to run software that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to run um, on the Mac. What would happen to that in um, an, an ARM world? Well, yeah, emulation is one possibility, Gene, but it's also possible that there may not be a way to do that. And if that happens, then Apple would be selectively cutting off a certain segment of its audience. And I know that that sounds like horrifying and crazy. And no, Apple wouldn't do that, but Apple's done that before. You know, Apple's whittled away its uh, its professional product offerings when they haven't really worked out the way that uh, they've expected it to. You know, at the, for example, Aperture. You know, Apple made a, uh, a prosumer 
photo editing and cataloging application that was really good and put it through, you know, two or three major revisions. Um, but at that point, Adobe had already established a certain dominance with Lightroom, and Apple just walked away from that. You know, Apple said, eh, you know, that's, that's not a market that we're going to bother with. They left that behind. They've, you know, left other pro users um, in in the dust behind as well. If it hasn't suited their larger purpose, and I have no reason to think that um, Apple might not be able to come up with a business case for leaving Intel emulation on the floor as well. I would hate to see that happen. All I'm saying is the pattern is there. Well, I would think here at the very least it's going to have to run Intel apps at the beginning. The key here is Apple has to make a decision at that particular point in time how long to continue it because they have to see where the market is. So, for example, most Macs, you can't upgrade the RAM. But as I understand it, the number of people who even want to upgrade RAM in the course of the lifetime of their computers, even having a computer where it can be done, is probably in the single digits. So Apple reached a point where it's not necessary except for very specific models where you still have that capability. And that certainly displeases IT people and, uh, you know, other people that are looking for maximum longevity on these things. Uh, but uh, you're absolutely right in that that's a very niche uh, uh, market segment to begin with. So Apple, as far as I'm concerned, was quite right to do that. Um, it, but, it, you know, that, that, that short-term pain for some sort of long-term, bigger scope or larger picture is 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 kind of par for course for apple so i don't know just offering it as one possibility and the thing here is when you talk about intel processors if you consider the performance advantage every year with a few exceptions here and there it's minuscule i mean i have a 2010 macbook pro i updated it with an ssd and more ram now It's not quite as fast as today's MacBook Pro. It's probably closer, not much slower than a MacBook Air. But that's fast enough, especially with the SSD. It doesn't have a retina display, but I can live with it. So I have an eight-year-old notebook computer, still capable of running the current operating system, still capable of booting fast, running most of my apps pretty fast. Eight years old. Showing you here that the scale of improvements with the Intel Core processors, is that is not that big. And it hasn't been for a while, you know, and this is one of the tough things that Apple has, um, being an Intel vendor, is differentiating products between, you know, different cycles. Now, Intel warned its, its uh, warned the industry years ago, look, Moore's Law is coming to an end. We can't just keep doubling uh, processor speeds every year because there's a finite number of transistors that we can cram onto these chips. There's a finite amount of power that we can get in there. Um, and we're, we're actually reaching the you know, molecular limits of the, the technologies that we've developed for this at this point. And of course, a lot of research from uh, IBM and other companies is going into quantum computing and all these other brilliant engineering ideas for ways that we can extract even more massive storage capacity and also more massive scalability into the electronics that we're building. But um, there are just material tolerances that they're dealing with. 
but that's down that particular road of processor production you know and and that's you know another reason why why uh the the right solution might be for apple to switch to um to arm processor or who knows maybe something else entirely i don't know you got more to come with peter cohen i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. You have been lied to. Generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Star Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11. Through 9-11, then you're fighting a war on terror. And now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Pre-order now at KillingUncleSamBook.com. KillingUncleSamBook.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, an interesting thing here, too, is remember, with its ARM processors, Apple's not saddled with support for aging technologies. It basically built this from scratch based on the ARM core design. Intel processors are held back because they have to support stuff, legacy stuff that goes back a decade or more. With ARM processors, Apple doesn't have to worry about that. It's strictly built for the needs of its equipment. So it probably has more room to grow, even if it went to the Mac, I'm guessing here. 
there's another reason that I, I can think of why, again, removing that debt dependency would be really beneficial to Apple, because then Apple would also not be subject to zero-day exploits that, or the same zero-day exploits that security uh, researchers find in Intel hardware, or for that matter, bugs. You know, computational errors actually exist in Intel uh, Silicon as well. So Apple would, by removing that dependency, would also remove that potential security vector. Of course, Apple could introduce its own problems, but that that's a different story. You know, at least it wouldn't be something uh, that could be exploited from the hardware level on any computer using those those processors instead of, you know, something else. And even if it was all equal, Apple pays hundreds of dollars less for the processor. That means they can yeah. cut the price of the Mac by a Are decent you- amount. No, and still no, make a nice profit. No, no, that's that's lunacy, Gene. You, Apple's not going to cut the price the price of the Macintosh. Well, at least give you more value for it. People have been paying a premium for the Macintosh since the day it was released. Um, that that's that's never going to change. It's a premium computer. But you're right that Apple might be making a lot more money off of a computer based on its own silicon than it would from a part that it's buying from Intel. You're absolutely right about that. Well, think for example of the Xeons using the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro. These are processors that you can pay several thousand dollars for. In fact, I don't think Apple's going to use it, but if they were going to run the 28-core Xeon processor with the maximum RAM support, it could cost up to $10,000 just for the chip. Apple is using the Xeon W chips for the iMac Pro that are not nearly as, as expensive. But the reason you have a $5,000 computer there at the entry level is because the parts are expensive. The memory is expensive. The processor is expensive. They got to get that money back. They have to make their 40% profit. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, you know, Apple does make money off of the, the sale of its hardware. Not, I mean, Apple is increasingly making money off of services too, but uh, Apple is still very much a hardware-driven company when it comes to uh, their bottom line. And it, it's really been interesting to me um, as it's come out with new hardware like the iMac Pro to see some of my friends and colleagues saying, well, oh, I could build a computer that powerful, you know, a PC that powerful. And sure, it wouldn't look like an iMac, but it'd run every bit as fast. And I'm like, really? You think you're going to save yourself money from doing it? Actually, it out. Actually, find the same parts if you can, and then build a computer with similar specs to the iMac Pro. And inevitably, once they do that, once they actually break it down, they realize that you're actually getting a ridiculous hardware value from Apple, a ridiculous hardware value from Apple, because Apple's you know scale is much greater than what you can do in the retail uh, PC market. So yeah, you can build a a gaming PC that runs games faster than a MacBook Pro. I'm not going to argue that point, but when you actually look at the market segments that Apple is trying to reach, and if you actually look at the products or the components that they're using inside their gear, products like the iMac Pro are not bad value propositions in any way, shape, or form. I know when it first came out, people were guessing as to what parts Apple would use, and they try to come up with generic PC versions of the same parts, inevitably, they cost more. Now, speaking of which, in 2019, Apple promises the next Mac Pro. Why is it taking so long to come up with one? Because they're taking their time, because good things take a long time to come out. Well, I think they're also saying they're looking at usage patterns which may be the mistake they made before seeing what people use these machines for and find ways to optimize the efficiency of those functions. 
Yeah, we got some great insight from that this past month, um, thanks to TechCrunch. Matt Panzerito over at TechCrunch uh, posted an expose, I guess you could you could call it, on Apple's uh, Pro Workflow team. And this is a an engineering group inside of Apple that we really haven't been given a look at before because we don't really much get a look at inside Apple as to how they actually work. But it, I'm making a long story unbearable. Uh, the The bottom line is that Apple has hardware and software engineers working side by side with one another to understand the entire kind of soup to nuts experience of using the Macintosh and trying to figure out ways to make it better for people. Uh, so they work with uh, people who are using Macs to do video work. They're using not just AV people, but all sorts of people to look at their workflows and to understand their bottlenecks and to make tweaks and changes based on what needs to happen. It's interesting when you take a holistic view of how people are using your devices like that. And this is one of the key advantages I think Apple has compared to, let's say, Microsoft. Now, Microsoft has more and more owned its own dog food, so to speak, by releasing products that you can use its software on. But Apple knows this from A to Z, right? Apple builds the hardware that you run the Macintosh on, and more and more writes the apps that you use on those devices to get the most out of them. They can look at how you're using those things in this pro workflow group and, you know, figure out how to make things better. Bottlenecks don't just exist on the app layer where one developer might be working or on the hardware layer where another developer might be working. It might be fundamental changes that Apple needs to make to the system drivers that make all those different things work together, for example, that will make that experience better. I know I'm getting a little esoteric, but that's what the pro uh, workflow team does. And they can really go deep to try to get these problems fixed to, again, the phrase that I used before was reduce friction. You know, we want that frictionless experience of just getting our work done on our devices. We don't want to run into roadblocks that make it more difficult for us. And that's what these guys are doing. They're knocking down the roadblocks. Well, multiple steps, for example, more steps than you need, but also time wasted. Every time you sit back and wait for the computer to catch up for you, and maybe there are areas where there's nothing that can be done, but if you could reduce that time by an hour a day for a company, that's a lot of money saved. For the person doing the work, well, they can't sit back and play with their smartphone. But the point is here, if you want a proper workflow, wherever it stops, the bottleneck, figure out what can be done to eliminate that bottleneck. Yep. And, you know, sometimes we like bottlenecks. You know, so, for example, back in the old days of traditional radio, we would play the long song, Why They Become So Popular, MacArthur Park and Hey Jude back in the 60s. Because we could take a break. <clears throat> Do I need to spell that out? That's funny. And we have to learn to time our break so that it ended 30 seconds before the record ended. So we can go back into the studio, take a deep breath, <gasps> and get back to work. I'm serious. This is what we did. There you go. You know, all that kind of stuff. Ballads were party break tunes. Exactly. There you go. Why do we talk about this? I have no idea why we do things like that, but we do. Anyway, <laughs> so let's look here. We're now less than two months away from the WWDC, which is early June. That's right. What San are Jose we, again this year. What would you say? I said in San Jose again this year. Do you know the way? Two. 
San Jose. Forget it. <laughs> I don't think anybody remembers that song. Well, anyone know. under 50, let's say. Any, anyone over 50, yeah. That would be it. It would be, do you know the way to San Jose? I've been away so long, I may go wrong and lose my way. Do you know the way to San Jose? I'm going back to find some peace of mind in San Jose. Do we really care about those lyrics? Well, you you do. I mean, if you have got any sense of pop music, you do, because that's Burt Bacharach's lyrics, and that's Dionne Warwick singing. So, I mean, come on. it's it's that's That's actually a classic. More classic stuff coming on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. See why our homegrown small business at sunny-bay.com has tried to help people just like you. Get your Sunny Bay heating pads at sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com. Or call 253-678-1361. For hot and cold therapy, sunny-bay.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is the best complete nutritious 
meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. Hear that? That's the sound of a house being trashed while a gang of thieves ransack the place. And what they don't steal will be destroyed. This year, resolve not to be the next victim of a break-in. Go to faketv.com and discover a device that creates the illusion someone inside is watching TV, even when you're miles away. Security is a mindset, and Fake TV should be part of your security solution. Be vigilant, but not fearful. Faketv.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. You know, I understood at early stages here when Bacharach and David were writing for Dionne Warwick they would do things to stretch her very big range, her vocal range and they'd write stuff in there that most singers couldn't handle because she could gotta love that that sounds like fun, I mean music should be fun so everything leads to music that's nice that's nice. What I like is Warwick, the best thing Warwick ever said about Do You Know the Way to San Jose is that she thought it was a dumb song and she didn't want to sing it. <laughs> uh, it's one of her biggest chart toppers and she doesn't care for the song at all. Well, there you go. But you see, it's different than, say, you know, a lot of singers nowadays where they write their own material. And so it doesn't matter because if they're singing the song, well, they think it works for them, good or bad. <sighs> Man. Anyway. Okay, so what do we expect to see from WWDC? Well, uh, WWDC this year should be um, interesting. You know, the, the the rumor going into it at the beginning of the year was that this was going to be kind of a, uh, a you know, a, Apple kind of sometimes follows a TikTok um, process of, of iteration. Uh, like a lot of tech companies do, where they'll make big pronouncements one year and then they'll back it back a little the next year to incorporate those big changes into other elements of its overall ecosystem. We saw a lot of transitionary problems with the last release of iOS and the last release of macOS. You know, High Sierra especially has been a problem child since its release. So uh, one of the rumors that sort of jibed with my own cognitive bias that I've heard is that Apple is going to make this an odd year, you know, a talk year for for that sort of stuff to kind of shore up the technology that, that Apple is pushing. If that's the case, then then great. I'm very content with that. Um, you know, the Marzipan stuff, the macOS, iOS joint framework stuff that we talked about in a previous segment is another possibility to talk about this year. We'll see. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where the, the, the cards lay. 
You know, the the interesting thing about WWDCs is that Apple is really inconsistent about uh, hardware. So it's hard to judge what kind of hardware we might have at a show. We've had years where there have been absolutely no hardware releases, and we've also had years where there have been hardware releases or at least iterations uh, to what's going on. So, uh, you know, it's I, I don't have any major crystal ball, though. I So I'm not going to go out on a limb one way or the other with what Apple is going to do or not do at WWDC. What I can say is that it's interesting to me that less and less is it important that you actually be on the ground for WWDC. You know, a few years ago, Apple had to switch to a lottery system to sell tickets for WWDC because space was so limited compared to the massive amount of people that uh, wanted to come that, uh, you know, they basically had to just make it a lottery uh, for most people to, to, to get tickets to it. I think that that uh, because of that, as a direct result of that, Apple has really kind of streamlined the information for developers at WWDC to make it a lot a lot easier for developers who aren't attending to to have access to the same information. Where it misses on the ground when you're not at WWDC is not actually being able to talk to Apple engineers face to face. For some developers who are trying to figure out really uh, peculiar issues, that kind of connection with Apple engineers can be invaluable. And you can gain a lot of insight about the way that Apple technology works in ways that you can't by just being on the outside all the time. But Apple has really tried to make it much less of a painful experience for developers who can't get out. One thing that I was very happy to see is that Alt-WWDC is going to happen right alongside WWDC um, this year, uh, right in San Jose. Alt-WWDC is an alternative to WWDC, as the name implies. It's put on by a different group. It's not Apple. Um, it, they're independent developers. And uh, it, it's it's a free showcase for uh, the exhibitors to, uh, to talk about whatever topics are of interest to them. Um, it's a great event. I participated in in it for a few years when I was covering the show for iMore, and I really loved it. Um, and I uh, am really happy to see them continuing it because that social component of being at the show with other like-minded people and wanting to talk about the cool stuff that you do and the cool stuff that other people do and learning from them, that's what being on the ground at WWDC is all about. It's not really something that most of us who just use these things really need to be involved with. But when you're actually in the thick of it, uh, developing or creating products that run as part of this ecosystem, WWDC is a transformative experience. Not being a developer, I've only gone there to attend the press conferences, the keynotes. But it's always fun still to see things. And in the old days, I'd recognize developers. Now there's so many out there. It's hard to recognize anyone anymore. It's amazing how many people are developing stuff for the Mac platform. And there are millions of people doing things for Apple in America alone. People forget that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people use Xcode these days. Oh, and by the way, just to close the loop on what we were talking about before with uh, the future of the Macintosh gene, I feel like it's important to mention that you still need a Mac to develop for iOS. So don't get your panties in a bunch about the Mac and the iOS devices becoming one thing anytime soon. We'll see that the iPad will have more functionality. But you notice in adding multitasking and all this stuff, where did they get the ideas from the Mac? 
Well, lest we forget, uh, iOS devices and Mac devices run the same kernel operating system. You know, the iOS is based on on uh, Mac OS, and de- technology developed for iOS has made it into Mac OS. So that convergence uh, or that that shared framework stuff that all exists on multiple spectrums, on multiple levels already. It really depends on how you want to look at it. Well, you do it where it makes sense. You leverage what you have. You know, it's almost like the car maker that makes a platform and then they make multiple cars out of that platform. They can make SUVs. They can make small compact cars out of the same basic platform and you're leveraging your technology. What's wrong with that? It doesn't mean that one product will not be made anymore. It doesn't mean there won't be an SUV. Like, for example, Volkswagen. The Atlas SUV and the new Volkswagen Jetta, which is a compact car, and the S- and the other one being a large SUV, they're built on the same platform. That's right, yeah. So if you're using the guts of Mac OS to generate multiple operating systems on multiple platforms, that's just, first of all, it makes it more efficient because you have shared resources and things. And it also makes it possible where you need to share functions, you could do it. Sometimes. When when handoff works. When handoff works. There you go. Anyway, we're looking forward to seeing what happens from Apple in our next segment. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer will voice his opinions on lots of things. So our favorite curmudgeon, Peter Cohen, Hmm. if we want to know more about what you do, do we have a place we can go? Sure. Visit my website, peter-cohen.com, C-O-H-E-N. Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do 
all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. With uncertain times in the United States, it's only prudent to consider storing precious metals in a safe place outside our borders. And Miles Franklin, we have done just that for you. Partnered with the most respected storage company in the industry, Miles Franklin is proud to offer the only fully insured private safe deposit box program in North America held in Vancouver and Toronto. Send us your previously purchased precious metals or have one of our brokers help you purchase something new. Questions? Please call one of our experienced brokers at 866-485-4346. Solid Foundational Storage, partnered with the most respected name and security. Maintaining an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and residing in Minnesota, the only state in America that regulates the precious metals industry, making doing business in precious metals with Miles Franklin the safest choice. Call us at 866-485-4346. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Miles Franklin Limited, a name you can trust. Message and data rates may apply. Remembering when to change your fridge filter is a hassle. Remembering the right filter is almost impossible. So at Filters Fast, we have some good advice. Forget it. Instead, remember this. Text BEST33 to 443-443 and check fridge filters off your to-do list forever. Get it all taken care of for a fraction of big box store prices with a Filters Fast brand filter. To see how much you can save, plus get free shipping, text BEST33 to 443-443. With a huge range of brand name filters available, Filters Fast is America's number one online filtration company. And you can get a Filters Fast brand filter for a fraction of the price, delivered to your door every time you need it. No need to remember. It's not a matter of if you need a fridge filter. Why not text to get it taken care of? To see how much you can save and get free shipping, text BEST33 to 443-443. That's B-E-S-T-33 to 443-443. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So I have to tell you before we get started here with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer that we had a whale of a time making a Skype connection. I think ever since Skype was updated to this new design, it has only gotten worse. In fact, most of the conversation for the past 10 minutes has been like that guy, Paul, who used to work for Verizon. Can you hear me now? (laughs) At the Mac Observer, we switched to Discord for our daily podcasts. I have to work that out. I have to find a way to do that. Group conversations, but also getting people to use it. And that's another thing. Yes. Otherwise, we'll have Discord. <laughs> Indeed. Tim Cook insists that iOS and macOS shall remain separate. They will not get married. So what's the story? Why do we want there to be some kind of convergence? We've had this discussion for quite a while. The issue keeps coming up, and it was 
The fuel was put on the fire by Mark Gurman back in December when he talked about a project that he learned about at Apple called Marzipan that attempts to bring into coherence the user interface and APIs of apps on Mac OS and iOS. You know, iOS is a fork of Mac OS, but over time, because it was designed for an iPad environment, a touch environment, and ARM processors, my understanding is that there have been some mild changes along the way in such a way that if you're a developer and you want to build for a Mac, you have to use one set of frameworks. And if you want to build for an iPad, you have to build for another. So you build two separate apps, one for ARM and iOS and one for Intel and Mac OS. And as a result, it's a lot of aggravation for developers to build two different apps and for two for two different interface environments and two different processors. So Marzipan project appears to be Apple's effort to bring coherence at the source code level so that you can build once and target wherever you want. If you target for an iPad, it's for touch surface. If you target for Mac, it's for trackpad and mouse. And that way you build one, you, you maintain one source code for your app and then target where you want to deploy. Well, because people don't or some people don't understand the difference between API level and, and the operating system core level, they took that to mean that Apple was merging the operating systems. And so I wrote an article the other day about how that's a different thing. That's a horse of a different color. You know, we have the Unixy power of Mac OS 10, Mac OS now. Uh, we can access the shell with a terminal window. It's got lots of demons running, whereas iOS for security has a lot more restrictions. Rich Mogul told me that it's the most secure mobile OS on the planet, and I believe that. But as Apple has had to open up some things with iOS and make things more possible for developers to draw from different resources and different apps, data sources, for more creativity, that's that's it's opened the door a little bit, but it's also created some minor problems for security. And so um, we wouldn't want to merge the two operating systems where we had the restrictions of iOS and lost the power of Mac OS X and its Unix flavor and being able to do all the things we can do, you know, run Java, run NetBeans, run X Windows if we want to, run servers, get access to the terminal shell window. And so it would be a very bad idea to merge the two operating systems at the lowest level. But that doesn't mean we can't have source code compatibility for apps and developers. Two different things. Well, you see, anytime they try to manage this stuff, they don't understand, they don't try to understand. It's like, for example, getting a clue from the supply chain. Oh, Apple cut back from one supplier. Oh, my God, sales have collapsed. Right. You know, as you recall, when the iPad first shipped, it didn't even have an NTP server. Apple stripped out every demon that it could possibly strip out that didn't need it to be running. As a result, the Mac, the uh, original iPad's clock drifted badly a few minutes a week, as I recall, maybe five minutes a month. So later versions of iOS you know, folded these things back in as the batteries became more powerful and the operating system became more refined. 
But uh, you wouldn't want to think, even think about trying to merge those two operating systems. And I think that's what Tim Cook was talking about when he was interviewed by the Sydney Morning Herald the other day. He talked about how we don't believe in, in watering down one for the other. But, you know, the vision of being able to someday run an iOS app in a window on your Mac and operate it with the touchpad, the trackpad on your MacBook Pro, that's kind of cool. That would be really neat. Developers would love that. I suppose we have to see where Apple's going to do. I think the corollary discussion is, will Apple switch to ARM processors for Macs? I, I don't know if we talked about this the last time I was on the show, but uh, that does create a bit of a problem um, with virtual machines and running Windows. Um, I suspect, although I don't have a, a technical source on this, but I suspect that uh, if Apple were to switch to ARM processors, they would implement some sort of Rosetta-like environment and hardware such that the ARM processor could execute an Intel instruction set. And you'd have virtual machine hardware, so you'd still be able to run apps like Parallels and run Windows and a virtual machine on your ARM Mac. That's assuming Apple can solve technical issues and the ARM processors are fast enough and cool enough. That's a that would be an interesting challenge. I'd love to be involved in that. Okay, I'm interested in this. This is getting it could be something interesting or very complicated, which is of course the emulation. So obviously if you have a Mac on ARM, it's gotta obviously offer performance comparable or better to Intel natively. Right. And you've got to deal with the older apps, and you've got to deal with the customer base. I don't know how big that is, what percentage it is, who like the Macs with Intel because they could run boot camp, and they could run virtual machines. So if Apple is going to offer an ARM-based Mac, they're going to have to figure out how, number one, the emulation will be handled, which right. I assume is not going to be a big deal. But what do you do in terms of performance of the emulation? Can they make this processor so fast that even the loss of emulating Intel won't be enough to cause serious problems? Well, remember when Mac OS X first shipped on early Macs, it was pretty sluggish. Um, eventually, Apple got around to using uh, special techniques to improve the graphics handling. But in, you know, in the early days of Mac OS X on Apple hardware were pretty sorry and took it took several iterations. It wasn't until maybe oh I don't know somewhere around Lion that things got really really good. Well, you, originally they didn't even have hardware acceleration of screen graphics. Right, they didn't have vector processor in invocation. In right, if they could run Intel commands through the Metal Two graphics. I don't know. Maybe a highly threaded multiprocessor ARM CPU could uh, could uh, emulate an Intel processor with acceptable speed. Well, maybe I, Apple could license things. They can make a deal for Intel to build, to fabricate the ARM chips that run in Macs, and also license certain functions from Intel. So Intel's making money off this deal. Well, you know, and, and also, that's a good thought. And also, we've seen uh, Macs now that have supplemental ARM processors. I believe there is a s small ARM processor in the touch bar of the MacBook Pro. Right. I believe there's one in the uh, iMac Pro. 
that does some supplemental work. Um, what would keep Apple from putting both ARM and Intel processors into their machines in the early days during the transition, maybe? And you'd run the iOS apps on ARM and you'd run your normal macOS apps on Intel. Maybe. Wouldn't, wouldn't be cheap. We've got more to come with John Martellaro. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Now Live. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Heart-related health problems affect millions of people each year. Maybe you're one of the many who suffer from issues related to angina pain, high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, or clogged arteries. There is a solution that doesn't involve expensive prescription drugs that only mask the problem and leave you with horrible side effects. If you are ready to live your life free of sickness, pain, and fear, live your life with increased vitality, energy, and youthfulness, and experience your body healing itself, 
yourself, then you're ready for heart and body extract from Healthy Hearts Club. Here is what one satisfied customer had to say about heart and body extract regarding his angina pain. I haven't had an angina pain since I've been on it. The heart body extract is just so great. I thank God that I was led to this product that's doing so much for me and that can do so much for other people. Call to order your two-month supply of heart and body extract today. Call 1-866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Max on arm? Time will tell. Amazon Fire TV Edition. Now this is... Basically, a TV set with Fire TV built in, right? Right. Roku is on sets from certain manufacturers. Others include Google. So can this Amazon Fire TV edition do what Apple could not? Well, Apple is still hoping to sell separate Apple TVs, not embed itself in another TV maker. I don't know why Apple hasn't done that. It seemed like a sensible partnership kinds of things companies do with each other to promote their products. Like CarPlay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why Apple hasn't done that. Well, you know, we had this discussion years ago, most notably Gene Munster. I thought he had some intel. I had him on my background mode show, and he talked about how he had some pretty good intel from the supply chain suggesting that Apple had started the idea of building their own TV. Maybe they did some experiments, some prototypes, maybe some tested out some production issues and things like that, and that led Gene to think that Apple's going to produce a TV. But by and by, the community kind of felt like Apple didn't really need to be in the TV business, a kind of a cutthroat business. So um, Apple kind of steered away from that idea. But um, what we've got is we've got smart TVs with operating systems that are you know, a bit suspect in many ways. I've seen articles about how Consumer Reports did some testing of the security of some TVs and they found some problems. I don't want to get into details because I don't remember enough of the article to be specific. But when you when you build a TV, you're an expert on television display technology. You're not an expert on operating systems that are secure on the internet. And so when you roll out something like Tizen or android as a smart tv os you've got to be really good and cover your bases in terms of security and people trust echo they trust amazon they like the company and so they've been accustomed to using their echoes for a long time and they kind of know their way around them so it was perfectly natural for amazon to put an alexa slash echo system 
into their TVs and, and use it to promote Amazon Prime and use it to promote home automation and entertainment. Let me just but give you the information that you've been asking about. It's mm-hmm. very interesting to mention now. Consumer Reports did an article that's posted on their site in February. And the basic article was summarized in the opening paragraph. Consumer Reports has found that millions of smart TVs can be controlled by hackers exploiting easy-to-find security flaws. The problems affect Samsung televisions, along with models made by TCL and other brands that use the Roku TV smart TV platform, as Mm -hmm. well as streaming devices such as the Roku Ultra. It's Roku's fault. We think of Roku as being, hey, the best one out there. But obviously there are problems. And Roku, any set that incorporates Roku, has a problem. On the other hand, the Vizio TV, which uses Chromecast, no problem. I say that because I have the Vizio. And Apple TV with tvOS is pretty secure. It's always... um a decision, a tough decision to make about operating a smart TV and putting its operating system on the internet uh, through Wi-Fi on your home. Uh, one practice I suggest is to use an Apple TV connected to your 4K TV or your high-definition TV and turn off the Wi-Fi on the TV and just treat it as a, as a dumb monitor and let tvOS be exposed to the internet. Probably a better bet. Well, with the Vizio, I do have it wired to an Ethernet connection. All right, it's not Wi-Fi, but Vizio, when you set up the set, and I think anything with the Google platform, sets up a bunch of agreements. And if you turn off things that might result in your watching behavior being monitored, you're probably a lot safer. Right. But what I wanted to talk about with this Apple thing was that, um, as I noted in my article, Amazon has the liberty to try things. They're a very mass market consumer focused company. They understand their customers. They've got lots of data from Echo and Alexa about what customers like and need. They've sold TVs themselves from other companies for a long time. They understand the market. They can experiment with something like this. And if the, if the, Fire TV Edition, which is the TV plus Fire TV inside, if that were to fail in the marketplace is, is an experiment that didn't go right, Amazon could discontinue it, no questions asked, and people would go, all right, well, no big deal. I'll buy my, I'll buy my LG or my Vizio or my Sony or whatever. Now, it's interesting if, here, if Amazon Apple, failed with their smartphone. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that in the article, and they might well fail with this TV. Uh, they're doing some things right. Um, they're working with Best Buy so people can go into the store and touch it and see how it looks. Try it out with Alexa. See how that goes. Um, but they're also Next doing week, what will well. happen is Amazon will buy Best Buy. <laughs> the, the specs I saw uh, at Amazon site don't suggest HDR. It uses HDMI 2.0 instead of 2.0a. That's a giveaway that it's not an HDR TV. And nowhere is HDR mentioned in the specs. So I thought that was an interesting decision. But nevertheless, Amazon could fail with this TV, and it would be a blip, not even the tiniest blip on the revenues. 
But for Apple to come out with a TV and Ballyhoo and talk about how they've solved some problems and done integration and everything and it didn't sell and Apple had to kill it, there would be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, Apple failed. So Amazon has the liberty to try things like this that Apple really doesn't because of the different business models of the two companies. And that's okay. That's okay. So what do you think here? Should Apple be building the entire widget with the TV or just offer Apple TV for the streaming section? The problem is here is the normal TV interface is... Eh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I've always thought that Apple should approach some of the big TV manufacturers and say, hey, look, we've got this fabulous system, this secure, highly secure operating system, tvOS, that is a sibling of iOS, which is very secure and has lots of capability. And let's sit down and talk about what your needs are, what kind of customer interface you want to have and features and what apps you want to have. And we'll work with you and we'll fold an Apple TV system into your TV and you can tout the quality and the security of uh, Apple's tvOS and the, the quality of your display, and we'll have a great partnership. I often, often thought Apple should do that. I don't know why. Well, the thing here is, if Apple is controlling the operating system, the front-facing features, even setting up the picture, would be done by Apple. Well, that's true. The TV makers don't like to give up control. That's one of the reasons why... Samsung initially blinked at the prospect of HDR because of the, the HDR technology required Samsung to give up a little bit of control over how they manage the, the technology of the picture display, and they didn't like that. So they're pushing their own HDR10 plus technology in partnership with Panasonic. I don't think the HDR10 plus is going anywhere, whereas Dolby Vision has certainly taken off, and all the other manufacturers have embraced Dolby Vision, even Sony which was initially kind of in the Samsung camp and then saw the light of day and decided to switch over to Dolby Vision. So that's interesting. Um, I do notice in looking at Netflix stuff on the Vizio's TV set that most of the 4K stuff says Dolby Vision now. So I assume they're moving more towards Dolby Vision. That would yep. be it. I want to tell you a story, though. This is interesting, and maybe we'll go into our next segment about it. So I live in a place here where I have one choice of ISP. And the reason is because it's wired by CenturyLink, which is the second largest provider. You have Cox, which has gigabit here, by the way, and 300 megabits if you don't have the gigabit. And you have CenturyLink, which offers like 80 or 100 a gigabit. I don't know if they're ever going to do it here. So CenturyLink wired this apartment complex. And Cox wires others. This, this is a way of getting exclusivity because now you can't get the other company. And the reason I mention this is they also offer DirecTV. Now, this is complicated, but if you're an AT&T customer, you'll know what I'm talking about. And we'll get back to the TV this way on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. So what happens here, John Martellaro, is that because CenturyLink wired the place, you can get CenturyLink for your internet, CenturyLink if you want standard plain old telephone service, POTS, nothing to do with what they sell in Colorado. And if you want TV, you have Prism TV, which is a service, an internet kind of based service a VoIP kind of TV service that AT&T has been offering called Uverse, which they're phasing out now that they have DirecTV. So CenturyLink offers DirecTV. It's all wired for it. Each building in this apartment complex you mean has... You now? No, DirecTV. They have a satellite on top of every building. Oh. And they have a wiring junction, a wiring harness, amplifiers, whatever it's needed. And anybody who lives there can get DirecTV without having to have a separate satellite. It's oh, built into cool. the system. What it means is you can't get Dish Network. I don't know how that works because theoretically it's against the law to block satellite TV provider unless, of course, there's no way to put the satellite dish on there for some reason. But It's probably because it's privately owned by the landlord and he can set up any system he wants. Yeah, well, yeah, but even then, they, I think they have to allow it. But here, it doesn't matter. 
you get direct tv or prism if you want even though it's being phased out you get direct tv like i said it's not direct tv now it's fed through a real satellite system you get the same genie remote the genie dvr and remotes and everything now here's the weirdness you know we're talking about complexities and stupidity and you see a lot of that in the way tv interfaces are made direct tv offers 4k but you need two tv sets for it and the reason is you need two DVRs. You need a Genie, which is your standard DVR, which is an excellent one. Very good one, by the way. I ever use a Genie? It's one yeah, of the best I have ones. One. I have okay. a 44, but I think you need a 54 for 4K. But you then need the Mini 4K. You need two appliances to get 4K on one set, which means you have to have two TVs. You have to hook it up to two TV sets so that one will get 4K. You know, I don't think that's a problem. I can tell you why. Why? 4K is an internet thing. 4K and HDR is an internet thing. The broadcast system, the ATSC system, the towers, the television studios, the cameras, all that equipment that's been upgraded to high definition. It's an HD world in the broadcast world. And when you take that 1080p picture out of your DVR and you run it into a good TV with a scaler, it's going to upscale the 1080p to 2160p, and it's going to look awfully good. You're going to have to be really good at observing the smallest differences between original 4K content and 2K content from a DirecTV DVR that's been upscaled to 4K. I can see the difference, but I imagine there's some people who can't, and it's very subtle. And so my strategy has been to go 4K first with the Apple TV 4K and then let the rest of the industry come along later. It'll take years. And maybe this summer I'll buy a 4K Blu-ray player with Dolby Vision Phase 2. So I'll have two out of the three triad. And one of these days when DirecTV replaces my dish or replaces the cabling or replaces the dvr and i can do plain old you know 4k tv without any silliness from direct tv then i'll do it but i expect that to be three or four years away and it doesn't bother me at all because when i watch 1080p television on direct tv on a 4k display it looks really good so i'm not sweating it you know where i see the interesting difference in 4k scaling and real 4K, and I agree with you, the difference isn't that big. I see genuine 4K on Netflix. And remember, the streamers are using a heavier degree of compression. H.265. Right. HEVC. But still, they're using heavier compression so you get more artifacts, so it's not as good as it could be. So the difference is only from the HDR, which is a difference that you can see. Now, mm-hmm. the otherwise, what I see is... The actor's hair is distinctively crisper looking, shinier. You get to see <laughs> the colors of the hair differently. You mean with HDR? More, with just the 4K upscaling. Oh, oh. The example of this. In the TV show Blue Bloods, we know that Don Wahlberg has, a, has very thin hair. And it looks like a black m- mess on his head on normal HD TV set with upscaling, 4K upscaling, and you see real 4K from Blue Buds on Netflix, 
you see his hair is like dark brown. And it looks like hair, not just some kind of dark mesh up there. <laughs> that's a difference. I mean, that's a real difference that you can see. I noticed it immediately. I'm seeing something better there. I agree with you, though, that if the upscaling is done properly on a 4K set, the difference is not that much. It's very slight. Yes. You have to look closely to see it. Obviously, the HDR is different. It's, you know, better. But otherwise, the difference is not significant. And how many sets have HDR? The cheaper ones, the really cheap ones still don't. They will, like, next week or something. Let's get past that, okay? Apple needs to do something with Apple TV. Because I've not even used mine since December. Because I have Netflix. I have Netflix on my TV set. And I'm not really invested that heavily in Apple's ecosystem as far as movies are concerned. Anyway, number three. We have a list of six items he wants to talk about. I don't think we'll get to all of them. Apple's unusual situation with its struggling HomePod. So the question is here about the HomePod, and I talked with Peter Cohen about this too. Is the HomePod really suffering, or are we getting bogus messages from the supply chain again? Well, uh, in the case of the article I wrote, I did not use supply chain rumors. I used a very good source, which is always Mark Gurman from Bloomberg Technology. And he reports from sources that the sales are not as strong as Apple had hoped. But, of course, no company is ever happy with its sales. But I took that as a launching point to discuss the idea of Apple's vision and its design of the HomePod. From what I can understand from my reading, the HomePod was in progress years ago, and Apple's vision was a pretty cool speaker system, high-quality sound driven by Siri. Siri was in kind of an immature state then. So many, only so many things you could do with Siri at the time. Meanwhile, Amazon had 5,000 engineers working for four years on Echo and sprang it on the world a few years ago. Kind of caught Apple by surprise. And this home intelligence speaker system uh, and Alexa really took the world by storm and just sort of did an orthogonal vector off away from what Apple had been envisioning. And so Apple decided to go ahead with its own vision of the HomePod in a world where people were focused on Amazon and Echo and Alexa. And that's created a bit of a sort of a a marketing issue with Apple, in my mind. If, if If you are a subscriber to what Apple's trying to do and you're happy with the limitations and you're happy with what Siri can can and cannot do, and your focus is sound, that's great. One reader told me he had three of them and in his house and was very happy with the sound quality. But the trouble is, is that the media kind of focuses on the differences in them from an intelligent speaker standpoint. Apple has to decide whether it's going to stay the course or whether it's going to, and maybe suffer a little bit, or whether it's going to, you know, think about HomePod 2.0, bolster Siri, compete in the marketplace of intelligent speaker systems as well, and make it not only the world's greatest home sound system, but the world's greatest intelligent speaker system. We're going to have the world's greatest commercials. 
or maybe not. <laughs> More to come with John and Gene on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-301-5435. That's 800-301-5435. 800-301-5435. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Join me, George Norrie, in Indian Wells, California, June 1st through the 4th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, an epic weekend of exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, and UFO sightings. More than 100 lectures, panels, workshops, and events with leading experts Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, Linda Moulton Howe, Eric Von Doniken, Corey Good, Doc Wallach, and more. Get tickets at contactinthedesert.com. It's time to make contact, contactinthedesert.com. You have been lied to. Generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Star Reserve in 1913 through lies. 
you create 9-11, through 9-11, you, then you're fighting a war on terror, and now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Pre-order now at KillingUncleSamBook.com. KillingUncleSamBook.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Okay, so... Obviously, the HomePod is not the world's greatest audio system, though it has some pretty good ideas in it. And I think part of the complaint is it's got a Beats-like audio character, a little bit bassy. And I think they need to switch that. They need to have a change. Like, for example, I'm using the Boom 3D to enhance my IMAX audio. And I can give it bass boosts if I want it. Apple ought to be able to have something there where you can say, Siri, normal bass. Right. I think Jeff Gamet's talked about that. Well, you know, good bass is a hallmark of a quality sound system because so many of these little Bluetooth speakers are so tinny and high-pitched and weak on the bass because of the way the speakers are designed. They're small and there's no room for a low-frequency driver. So I think Apple wanted to telegraph to the customer right away, hey, look, listen to the glorious bass. This is something you don't get in normal speaker systems. But you can fix that. You can fix that, though, if you want to use the music from iTunes or Apple Music, you have EQ settings. But for anything else, you don't. Whereas if Apple would simply offer a simple EQ setting, and maybe you don't want that enhanced space, you want something flatter. You want fidelity. There's an adjustment, for example, in the Boom 3D software called Fidelity. And that's supposed to provide a more natural balance. I selected bass boost because there is no bass on a regular iMac. So it pushes it a little bit over the edge, but it's better than it should be. More. I predict at WWDC there'll be a major upgrade to the HomePod. And Apple's been thinking seriously for the last five or six months about how they can improve the HomePod. I think you'll see AirPlay 2. I think you'll see control over the bass. I think you'll see a much better Siri portfolio of capabilities. I think you may see a a version that's less expensive, that sacrifices a little bit of sound, but uh, is more affordable. I think you're going to see a lot of changes. The HomePod's going to evolve. Look how watchOS was kind of dorky at the beginning. watchOS 1.0 was um, pretty sorry wasn't until watchOS 2 and 3 that we got the dock and you know, really enjoyed using our watches. Uh, there's a lot of work to do, be done on the HomePod, and I think Apple recognizes that. And I'm looking forward to uh, lots of changes. I, I did not buy one because it didn't make a big impression on me. It didn't solve a problem that I had. Uh, I've got a pretty good sound system myself already set up, and I didn't see the value of spending $349 out of my own pocket but uh, that could change sometime mid-year. Well, a new software update would certainly make a difference. Let's get to another topic here. 2019 brings the long-awaited successor 
to the trash can. I mean the Mac Pro. <laughs> I'm talking to you on one. <laughs> All right. It's a glorious computer, by the way. It's perfect for a writer. Be that as it may, Mac Pro, what new ideas are making Apple take so long to come up with this new version? For a long time, Apple had a blurry idea about what constituted a Pro machine. The Pro machines were just a little bit more expensive. They were still affordable. It was almost like Apple was saying, yeah, if you want to stretch a little bit, you can afford a Pro computer. And so it had more memory, faster processor, more cores, more threads, higher quality graphics, but only by a little bit. So you pay 30% more and you get a Pro machine. And then the focus was on design, outward case design of the MacBooks. And so what other companies did who were competing with Apple during the Mac hiatus from 2014 to 2016 was they were going for the high-tech, high-performance crowd, especially Hewlett-Packard. And they were building notebook computers, Z-books. They were a little thicker, maybe uh, a little bit more hefty fan, more memory, 32 gigabytes, not easy, 64 possible, high-performance machines. And along the way, another thing happened. It used to be, remember years ago, you used to say, no, no matter how good the hardware is on the Windows side, you would, you would blanch at the idea of having Windows on your computer. No, no, no. You got to buy, buy a Unix system. We don't hear that so much anymore. Nowadays, Windows 10 has really good security. Rich, Rich Mogul was on my show and told me about that. So Windows 10 might be different, but different doesn't mean inferior. It just means you have to get used to it. And Microsoft has come a long way with, with Windows. And Windows 10 is at the point now where you can seriously think about saying, I've got serious number crunching work to be done. I can live with Windows 10. I can live with its security. I can run my apps on it. And I can get the great hardware that I want. And that's the business proposition Hewlett-Packard has been making. And while Apple was kind of stuck with thin, thin, thinner, cool looking, but maybe not the kinds of machines that technical and creative professionals felt like had a really good payoff for them. And they were willing to pay some serious money because often it's, it's the institution, it's the organization that pays for these high performance devices, not personal, not, not people out of their own pocket. So Apple kind of got the message and came out with the iMac Pro, $5,000. Now, now, not many people who are just, you know, paying their taxes and writing letters to grandma can afford one of those, right? So here's a, here's a world-class, top-end, high-performance, no limitations or few limitations machine for 5,000 for starters. And if you want some serious, serious augmentation, you're looking at seven, eight, nine thousand dollars $9,000. So Apple got the message that professionals don't want any performance compromises. They don't care too much how the device looks, although they don't mind if it looks sexy, cool, technical. But they're willing to pay substantially more because their institution, their organization is going to pay for it. It's like the days of the, of the Sun workstations, the Silicon Graphics workstations. Nobody went out and bought an SGI IRIX for home. But you walk into a research institution, National Laboratory, you'd find these Unix workstations that cost $10,000 on all the engineers' desks because their organizations bought them. So that's why I think Apple's 2019 Mac Pro is going to follow that trend. 
it's not going to be like the 2013 Mac Pro where you could buy the low-end one that I did for you know, $2,500. You are not going to be able to afford this 2019 Mac Pro. It's going to be for Oak Ridge National Laboratory and for Boeing and, and pharmaceutical companies and research labs and universities and astrophysicists doing galactic simulations. And it's going to cost more because it's the top-of-the-line Mac. And even though it doesn't have a display... It's going to have some features and some computational horsepower that make it uniquely suited to the needs of technical professionals. And this workflow team that they're developing is designed to give Apple feedback on where the bottlenecks are. And they're going to develop the hardware to eliminate these bottlenecks. And that might mean massively parallel multiprocessing, the capability of a terabyte of RAM like Hewlett Packard's Z workstations have. Imagine a terabyte of RAM in your computer. Imagine paying for it. We've got more to pay for here on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack. Focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. Uh, January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Uh, Then my real health began going downhill. I had high blood pressure, diabetes, poor vision. I wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking heart and body extract from within a few days. I started sleeping better. My blood pressure normalized. My diabetes normalized. My sleep improved. Experience these benefits and more when your body heals itself with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Heart and body extract comes with a 100% ironclad money back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. 
reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-261-9818 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-261-9818. Again, 800-261-9818. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. You know, there is an Intel 28-core processor, a Xeon, that's available that allows you to incorporate you know, a terabyte of RAM. It costs $10,000 just for the processor. But, you know, the point being here is every time someone has to sit and wait for the computer to catch up with them, it costs the company money. That's right, and it limits the design of your of your solution, too. Some of these uh, N log N or N squared problems suggest to you that you'll have to make software compromises because based on the machine that you're using also just for example a movie special effects studio they have to wait for it to render an 8k Mm -hmm. stream because remember now they're not just using 4k anymore they have 8k cameras out there to make blockbuster films you want to make a 300 million dollar blockbuster and you have to keep rendering and re-rendering to do the special effects you save time on that and you get the film out faster, and you meet deadlines, or if you have to do a reshoot, it doesn't cost I, as much. I think the entry point for the 2019 Mac Pro is going to be seventy nine ninety five, and it's going to go up from there. What do you if think you it's going to look like? Around, is it going to look like a traditional tower computer, or, or something circular, or what? Is it going to look like a big bathtub? Depends on the heat profile. The Macs have typically gone, you know, from cooler air to warmer air upwards. So you might have to maintain a tower environment for a convective heat flow, minimize the fan noise and the fan, the number of fans. Well, they must have uh, some ideas from the iMac Pro. Yeah, maybe some ideas from the cheese grater Mac Pro of 2005 era too as well. That was a glorious machine. I had a 2009 Mac Pro cheese grater before my current Mac Pro. 
So if this new Mac Pro is going to cost that much money, then where are we in the Mac universe with a headless Mac to replace the one that we had before? I think a 2019 Mac Pro that's fundamentally different and more expensive and caters to the technical creative professionals strongly suggests that Apple needs to come out with a next-generation Mac Mini headless Mac Sort of like the Hewlett Packard Z2 Mini, which I wrote about and people were raving about and writing me and said, can I put Mac OS on this, John? This is such a cool computer. I've been talking about that for a long time myself, that that is a great model for Apple to look at in designing a Mac Mini, that it can be really cheap, like it is now, five $600, and mm. then make it possible to add much more powerful hardware and come up with a $3,000 version, if necessary, with an entry-level Xeon. Yeah, I was talking about that in my article. Uh, wouldn't it be cool to have this kind of like sleek black um, box with some curvy features and some blue lights and a quad-core Xeon and 64 gigabytes of RAM and a 2-terabyte SSD and a high-level graphics card, you know, for 1500 bucks. And plug your beautiful Hewlett Packard or Dell monitor into it with the DisplayPort. That'd be that'd be awesome, and it would be a way for Apple to reignite and reexcite the the Macintosh market because uh, not everybody wants to buy an iMac with a built-in display. They may have their own ideas about what displays they want to use. Like I have a Hewlett Packard display that I love, and I'm. Up a Jacobian without a determinant when it comes to my next Mac, <laughs> because I want to keep this Hewlett Packard display. So when my 2013 Mac Pro dies, I'm going to need a headless Mac, and I won't be able to afford a Mac Pro. So I don't know what I'm going to do without a, a new Mac Mini. Please, Apple, please, are you listening? <laughs> Instead of a Mini, me a Mini Mac, Mini Mac. Apple's field trip education event used an obsolete formula. Wait a minute here. You thought Apple's trying to make a big thing here about reinvigorating their educational initiative? What happened? What happened? Well, it used to be in older days you had the education systems guru, and he was sort of in charge of purchasing, and he had enough money to buy what he needed. And the administrative profile may vary a little bit, but typically you had the Mac guru or the IT gurus in the school, and they would get excited about Mac technology, and they'd see an event like WWDC keynote, or there'd be some educational event, and they'd discover the, the glories of iPads and have a personal vision for how this could fit in with the curriculum, and they'd have discussion with the principals and the assistant principals and the teachers about how this could, you know, meet the curriculum requirements. And they would show a presentation based on what they saw from Apple and everybody go great. And then they'd go out and spend a lot of money on iPads or in, in previous times, iBooks for the schools. But over time, things have changed. Schools have become more strapped for money. The, the authority of the Mac guru has been uh, diluted Google has been very aggressive in, in providing software solutions and low-cost Chromebooks for schools that meet the pedagogical requirements, have built-in keyboards that, in concert with the school's teaching needs and curriculum, you know, gives them what they need, teaches kids to type on a real keyboard at an early age so that they're ready for high school and college. And it's much more difficult now for 
schools to just say, well, we're going to go out and spend $100,000 on a thousand iPads or MacBooks, Airs. It's just out of reach. And so when Apple came out with an event like they did in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, where they tried to get everybody all excited and all jazzed and and then um, didn't come out with an iPad that was substantially cheaper. The list just of this new iPad is three twenty nine. They're selling it to schools for two ninety nine. Still a little on the expensive side, especially if you want to add Apple Care, even in a volume purchase and an Apple Pencil and a case or something to protect it. You're you're looking at four or five hundred dollars, and that's just something the schools can't. Most schools can't. Handle, and I, I talked to one educator who was on my podcast a while back, and she said they have a sort of small mini lab where they have parts. And if a student breaks a keyboard, they just repair the Chromebook on the spot. I've had other readers tell me that uh, when the Chromebook uh, breaks, they just throw it away. Everything's on the internet, so the student just gets a new Chromebook and logs back onto their account, and they continue where they left off. So the education mindset, education finances, education tools, education curriculum, and pedagogical requirements have changed so much that it just doesn't make sense anymore for Apple to come out with a big splash and show off something that's really sexy and cool and their own personal vision about education and expect massive following by educators to change the way they're going, change their, their path. All they want is cheap and cheaper. They don't have the money anymore. Why do you have so many teachers walking out of classrooms and staging right. strikes to get a living wage? Yeah, yeah. So this, this, what Apple's does is cool, and, and it's, it's a vision of the future for education, but it's got to be done in a methodical way. It can't be a one-time splash. Apple has to understand that schools... Students need less expensive MacBook Airs. Something I've been, something I've been complaining about for years. I mean, the MacBook Air has got such economies of scale now from production that Apple ought to be able to re-engineer it and use the same parts that they've been using. Figure out how to develop a, a, a an 11 inch MacBook Air for schools for 400 450 dollars instead of a thousand dollars. My wife has told me she's a teacher that um, MacBooks and MacBook Airs and MacBook Pros are disappearing from her school. She doesn't see, they used to be 80% of the students had some sort of silvery MacBook. Now they're all using low cost Windows notebook computers or Chromebooks. Because because they can't afford it. Nobody can afford afford it. it. But you see, that's also the problem with the educational system. We can't afford to educate our children. Well, that's a political issue. We've got more to come with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap. But not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com 
slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Are you one of the 70% of Americans that want to own your own business, afraid to leave the security of your current job to pursue your dreams? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current job schedule, creating extra income for you and your family by joining his crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. Healthcare reform is confusing, but whether it's finding an affordable insurance plan, keeping your doctor, or being able to afford needed prescriptions, navigating the healthcare system has become a challenge. Control your own healthcare costs and choices with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of each other's medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Aging is one thing that affects everyone. George has talked about the power of stem cells for years. Now there's a new serum that harnesses that stem cell power to bring back your youthful look. Beverly Hills doctor, Nathan Newman. Stem cells are basically our fountain of youth. This is what maintains our body's reparative regenerative abilities. As we age, every cell breaks down and needs to be replaced, and what replaces it is the stem cell. Dr. Newman and Janess have developed Luminess. Luminess takes the science of stem cells using the same growth factor complex that literally heals our cells, slowing the appearance of the aging process. Apply Luminess twice daily and on average see results in a week. Learn more, watch our video, and order today at a special Coast website, healthylooking.com. Plus, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that's healthylooking.com. Luminous for a healthier, much younger, better-looking you. Buy now at healthylooking.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So we're back. 
Apple needs to find a way to recognize the modern reality of educational systems, which is the budget is above all, not the fancy toys and the fancy features, because you don't have people like that anymore. They can't afford to hire them. They just want to keep the things running cheaply. And Apple has to find a way to leverage that. I don't know if they can make a $499 MacBook Air, maybe a $599 MacBook Air, and find some way to sell it. I guess the one thing to sell it is to point out that the cheap $230 Chromebook is not going to last very long. And even if you can easily replace it because all your data is online, you've got to buy all that hardware or pay for people to come and fix it. And if you can pay a little bit more for a device and it lasts longer, doesn't that's that, a good point? Does that make a good point? It's the cost of use. This is what IBM has made a point about Macs. They adopted a lot of Macs for their employees and people who deal yeah. with them. And what is the argument? It's cheaper to use. Even there is the residual value in an iPad. If you buy that iPad for two ninety nine, you use it for three years. It's going to be worth 50, 60, 70 bucks at the end of that time. And there are markets where you can uh, get money for those used iPads and uh, recover some of your costs. That brings the total outlay down quite a bit. But still, Apple made a big thing out of the pencil. I am not yet sold, despite the glorious demo by Serenity Caldwell at iMore on how you use a pencil in an educational environment or any environment. I'm not convinced that the pencil closes the deal for education. I, I have not yet heard that from any educator I've talked to. Well, the 299 iPad, you'll have it for three years, during which time you'll have three $230 Chromebooks in that same period. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I talked to an educator about that who uses Chromebooks in her school daily massively, and she says the ones they buy stand up pretty well. Occasionally a screen will break or a keyboard key will flip off and they send it to their tech and it's good as new again because they have a supply of displays and keyboards. And she said they're pretty strong. She's seen students drop them and, and they survive. I think the stories that say the Chromebooks are so cheap that they'll break instantly are based on apocryphal stories where somebody bought a really, 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 really cheap one. And that story kind of gets percolated around through, you know, hearsay and, you know, Chromebooks are cheap and they don't last. But it really much depends on which one you buy. And my educator told me that she's very happy with the quality of the Chromebooks that they buy. And they last a lot longer than a year. I know that somebody wrote a story for Macworld and said in the time he had his one iPad, he had three Chromebooks. I think Obviously, people it's, it's an example Apple. of one, but you kind of think somebody who's a power user is not going to abuse it as much as a student. Or perhaps, you know, over time, the Chromebooks have been made more resilient for that kind of damage. We root for Apple so hard that we, we desperately search for stories like this to support our beliefs. I, you know, I, I, I saw a nice editorial by Michael Gartenberg yesterday where he compared a Chromebook to an iPad, and he said it's a wash. It was a pretty balanced, pretty objective review. The thing is, is that so many schools have made so much so, so much of a commitment to Google software, Google Docs, and to Chromebooks, which have a built-in keyboard and which are of the configuration that uh, students are going to grow into, that um, it's hard to reverse it. I mean, what happens when you get into high school? Are you going to use an iPad in high school, or are you going to be doing Xcode programming on a MacBook or some sort of notebook computer? when you get into high school. So it's, there's, a, there's a question about the full pedagogical usefulness of an iPad 
to prepare students for the future. And and so if you're a grown-up computer is a notebook computer, then you should start your kids early with notebook computers instead of trying to force feed an iPad as the thing of the future. Well, I think the iPad is great for the third grade. Yeah, yeah, but there comes a time when students have to move on to the next level. And, I, and many, many educators have told me that the things that they need to do, the exams that they need to give the students, the software that they need to use, doesn't run on iPads, even if you attach a, a keyboard cover slice slash device. The software is not there. Well, the keyboard's not there. I've tried the keyboard cover, and the one for the 12.9-inch iPad was awful. Yeah, I tried space to bar I tried. I returned was it. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> I returned it. Right. And then the one for the this is before they came out with a ten and a half inch version the previous year, the nine point seven inch version. That keyboard cover I liked, by the way. I thought it was okay. Except it's still spongy. Mm-hmm. It's not a keyboard. And the thing I still wonder about here with all Apple's great expertise in technology, why can't they give you a typing experience on an iPad? That's comparable to a regular notebook. I think it's because Apple's fixated on the vision that the iPad is the future. I think Tim Cook said something like, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact language, but Tim Cook once said something like, the iPad is our clearest, most distinct vision of the future of computing. And I think that philosophy has driven Apple into an unbalanced, over-eager support of iPads in, in education because that's the hammer they have for the nail they look at. Yeah, think about this for a moment. I still don't understand the iPad too much. I can't see you doing productive work on it because all the keyboard solutions that I've seen for iPads are terrible. And I can't see the sales pitch there. I mean, people are buying iPads. The sales are going up. There are lots of reasons for it. Like, for example, my wife went to an eye doctor the other day. And they handed her an iPad to fill in her patient information. That was wonderful. That was terrific. They did all their major work, though, on a regular PC. But the patients were given an iPad. And I thought, that's fine. It made easier for her, more convenient for her, because she's used to her own iPad, to enter her information, not have to write it down, and not have to scribble. There's a really good keyboard for the iPads. It comes from Bridge, B-R-Y-D-G-E. And they make these aluminum keyboards with great keys that match the iPad and when it folds up it looks when it folds up and unfolds it looks for all the world like a MacBook Air. Yeah, I was thinking of a commercial for it just now. With great keys comes great responsibility. No, it doesn't work. (laughs) I'm sorry, I must have had Spider Man in my mind. (laughs) But the bridges are not cheap. And so by the time you add a pencil and a and a bridge keyboard and Apple Care once you're once again out of reach. I so we're beating a dead horse. Right. You think you bought a bridge. John Martellaro, please tell our listeners in exquisite detail where they can find more <laughs> of the stuff you do. I'm and the stuff you don't editor. do if you don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm a senior editor at the Mac Observer. Mac, Mac Observer, one word, dot com. Great team there. If you like one word, there it is. Everything is one word now. Even CenturyLink is one word. Used to be Quest, by the way. I don't know why we're mentioning that. You can find us on Twitter. If you look for Tech Night Owl, one word. All right. We also have another radio show called The Paracast. Two words or one word. Take your choice. And we've got an interesting guest this week on The Paracast at Paracast.com. 
His name is Dean Radin, and he wrote a book called Real Magic. Not the David Copperfield magic, but real magic. You know, paranormal, PSI, that kind of stuff. Go to paracast.com. And if you're really concerned all that much about the normal number of ads you get on a normal commercial radio show, sign up for Tech Night Out Plus. Tech Night Out Plus gives you a version of this show free of the network ads. They let us do it if we charge a little for it. And you get a little better audio quality. So John sounds great and I sound, well, we don't want to say. Anyway, the prices start just $1.49 a week which is cheaper than the coffee at Circle K or 7-Eleven or AMPM, and certainly a lot cheaper than Starbucks. Or you can get a month subscription for $4.99. It's a pretty good deal. Go to plus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com for more information about Tech Night Owl Plus. It's also the number one numeral uno best way to support this show and you really want to support this show we've been here for so many years already 16 years of the Tech Night Out Live John Martellaro thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live my pleasure nice to be here The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.